The following podcast is designed to provoke thought, spark dialogue, educate, and entertain. The perspectives and language may trigger a range of emotions from laughter to angst and possibly anger. We welcome your feedback and thank you for listening. You're tuned in to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast, where we read the books and let the content drive the discussion. Listener discretion is advised. What happens when a lifetime of secrets become too heavy to bear? Lies are not always told out of bad intentions. They're sometimes used to shield or protect innocence, other people's feelings, and to hide our truth. German novelist Thomas Mann said, A harmful truth is better than a useful lie. In this coming-of-age story of a young man being raised as the only child to a single mother and both of them navigating life and growing together, no man is perfect and there is no blueprint on parenting. Our only truth we do have is love and our desire to do better. The Bruh's Bookshelf presents to you Kiese Layman's Heavy. A new day. A new problem to a brother, and all I got to say is thank God for my mother. Cause without my mommy, yeah, my life would have been a joke. Either locked up, laying dead, or still slanging dope. But nope, the Lord, He had a plan for me. And with His help, my mother made a man of me. Didn't blindfold me to the world we was living in. Taught me how to save my little. Welcome to another so podcast episode of The Brothers Bookshelf with your host, Lennon Givens. I'm joined with my co host. Walter Atkins, and then we have the smooth baritone voice of Dr. Harvey Hinton III. And we also have joining with us today, someone who is very dear to me. We met on the campus of FAMU in 1999 when we both were expressing our interest in Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Even though I'm from a small country town in northern Louisiana, and he's from Boston, by way of Hawaii, we both share a commonality, and that is a kinship that bonded us together. And that kinship has lasted throughout college until present day. It is my great honor to present to the Bruz Bookshelf Podcast my best friend, Mr. Stephen Gilliam. Give it up. Y'all, what's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? I'm glad to be on here. Um, I'm glad I could uh, make it. I'm glad we're talking about uh, a good book, um, and it's it's nice to be on. Thank you. So let's jump right into it. Um, I chose this book because I had already read it and fell in love with the words and the way he put them together to describe his childhood. And his childhood experience was similar to mine, but as a child. I didn't have the maturity nor the vocabulary to put the words together to accurately convey what I was feeling. Kiese does that. And at the opening of the book, when he said, I wanted to write a lie, I understood that. And I understood that our lives are far from sitcoms that we see on TV 
And some of the trauma that life brings can isolate you and make you feel insecure about your own reality. And it'll make you believe the only practical way of dealing with it is to lie. But when you bury a lie, a weed of emotional distress grows. And this book speaks to me and it speaks our language saying just enough where there's a tacit understanding for those who know, know. So let's jump right into it. Walt, what are your thoughts? Man, um, I thought, see, I thought that uh, the author did a good job of writing his truth. And I think that because I never experienced uh, some of the things that he went through as far as like being a overweight kid, uh, being like the one that was never necessarily like liked or um, being the one that never actually like fit in when it came down to older guys or uh, had an issue with like, you know, getting girls or some of the subconscious insecurities that the guy dealt with growing up. I never experienced those, but I did experience some of the uh, the dysfunctional uh, family situation from his immediate family and also some of the dysfunctional family situation from his uh, you know, grandmother and so forth. But I think he did a great job of, you know, explaining his truth and did a great job of trying to dig deep, deep, deep down within his soul to make the the audience realize like how hard it was for him growing up and what he actually experienced, you know? I don't think that he had any insecurities. And I don't think he had any problems with that. He had a lot of insecurities. That's what made a lot of insecurities. Well, well, while he was writing this book, though, you remember he said I wanted to write a lot. And one thing about about insecurities, you don't really be open about your insecurities. Now he had a lot of imperfections. When he says he wanted to write a lot, I think I think he's talking about the book he wanted to write. Heavy ain't the book he wanted to write. No, he said he, he said he did write a lie, right? He said he did write a, a titillating mm-hmm. book, and then it sounded good, and it was everything that he initially set out to write. But then he said he did it again. Yeah, because he started the book when he was like twelve years old, and he wanted to write an American memoir. But then I think I think I I, I think what we uh I think what what made the book so good is because as he was writing his lie, he started revealing lies his mother was telling and lies that his grandma was telling. And as the book was going on, you realize that these lies were were told as coping mechanisms. And there was also lies that was told to try to protect him. So, I mean, I to me, the book really resonated with me. I Like I said, I grew up two hours away from Jackson, Mississippi. And a lot of the stories that he was telling, it kind of brought me back to my childhood. Like I could smell the pecans on uh on the trees. Uh, you know, I could feel, I knew the weather. I could feel like what the weather was about. You know, like, so when he started telling this story, I mean, the story was so vivid. It kind of like took me there. And so, I mean, I really, really enjoyed the book. And, but in terms of, um, in terms of his insecurities and his um and his imperfections, that's what that's the part about the book that I like the most because especially with 
uh, uh, in a society right now with social media where everybody always showing like their best angle and telling you was all good about themselves. He told you everything that was good and bad about himself. And, you know, it kind of hit home with me, the story, the relationship between him and his mom and his mom trying to balance raising him and protecting him and also trying to have a life of her own and struggling financially. So, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I don't hear, I didn't hear anything good about him in that book. Like, I, I think that there was things I observed that are, that are good about him um, and things that I admire about him as a person. But to me, when he was like writing his prose, it didn't focus on his personal qualities of, you know, strength, determination, uh, being able to objectively look at his life and and reveal itself. He was talking about how he felt fat, how he felt like he he wasn't wanted and how he felt like uh, he was always fucking up and he couldn't do better. And he knew he was fucking up and he couldn't stop. Like it was it was uh you know, refreshing to hear that, but I for sure didn't hear anything that he was saying. I think he, did he knew good that he at. was smart. I think that he knew that, uh, nah, and, I, and he I was think operating. He was, he was still into, cause I wanted, I wanted to go, I wanted to go back to your point, Lenny, about, I think, you know, obviously the brother, we the same age, like I, the same, he took me back to my childhood, like the setting, the way he described the world, I could relate to the relationship he had with old people, his grandmama and the old way of seeing the world. But to your point, you said something earlier, man. The way that he's able to express himself in writing about his basic feelings and the complexities of knowing that your loved ones are lying to you and that you have these inner feelings about yourself, these inner self-doubts, that part of the book was very refreshing. As a scholar, writer myself, I felt encouraged to write after reading this because it's something that I don't like to do. But back into what you were saying about his truth, bro, I don't, I don't know that I would have yeah. told some of the stories that that's he what told. I, that's, why I was, exactly. <laughs> that's why I was saying I can appreciate you. Wouldn't have, you wouldn't have told them? Because I got worse stories than that. Oh, wow. Oh, all right. Well, so what story wouldn't you have told, Harv? Damn, Steve. <laughs> um, I think um, so I want my mama to hit us at some point in time right I want my dad to, I want everybody to be able to hit us at some point in time I think the way you talk about your loved ones you have to be very careful about that mm-hmm. and I think that this was clearly a, a, a love letter to his mother I, it wasn't mm-hmm. a love letter it was just a it, it was a memoir it, it wasn't wanted a to love be an American letter. memoir but that, it was a love letter nah, to his man. mother Nah, man, that was a love letter, hey. and, and, and 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 his di- his diagnosis on love, love is letter, we need to stop <laughs> loving. Uh, we need to stop saying ignoring and lying to ourselves and living living in denial is love. And instead of instead of doing that, we need to tell the brutal, brutal honest truth. And and that was his truth. Like all these ridiculous stories of all the crazy shit that he's seen and done. That was his truth, and he was telling his mom because he couldn't repair the relationship with her living in denial. I, I don't know that you ever repair it. I don't. I, well, yeah, I maybe. I mean, maybe not, but you for sure can't, you can't, you can't say that's love. If you're living a lie with your relationship is a lie with this person. Like I'm not even telling you my honest feelings, uh, but I'm also, you know, mad at you and blaming you for, for, I, uh, 
all right. everything, right? Like, you know, like you got to hear, you got to right. hear how so, I feel. I, maybe I'm interpreting this wrong. There's some things that he experienced at, at the point in his life as a child. And, and I'm pretty sure there's some things that we experienced as children that we didn't tell our parents. Right. And we wasn't all the way honest with our parents. Right. So that doesn't mean that it was so right. traumatic and he's so like upset with his parents that I mean that his mom that he had to lie. It was just at that time in his life, there was no way that he had the uh the uh what, what word am I looking for? I'm saying the, gumption, uh, but that bravo. might not even the balls, the 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 whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, the balls or the bravo to even say mom. I was over at you remember when you dropped me off at Beulah Buford's house, the uh the used encyclopedia? Well, guess what was going on over there? Oh, yeah. They was running trains on people, and I've seen two guys uh, uh, each uh other two guys off. having uh a, a, a sexual encounter with each other. You know, he's not gonna say that. He's tried to he tried to tell his mom in so many words, hey mom, we got this new encyclopedia. Does that mean I don't have to go over Beulah Buford's house anymore? He was you know using I mean? the so, rationale that she had gave him. You're going over there because she got encyclopedias. Now, now we got encyclopedias. Do I still got to keep going? Boy, shut up and mind your business. That's that dumb right. conversation. Right. That's that but, dumb conversation. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but she, again, she was a single parent. She had, she had to work. She was a mom and she was stretched thin. I mean, you, I mean, I, I was raised it. by a single mom. I understand that, you know, um, and, and I understand how I got, it was a lot of things that it was missing out of my childhood and my, and my rearing when I was growing up because you can't, excuse me, you can't have it all. You can't, you can't be there and, 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 and protect your children and provide for your children. And as well as, um, be there um, for the academics and make sure that you are monitoring their social life as well as be at work. So it was a lot of times that he had to be with his grandmother and his mom had a life too, because she was dating this guy, Malachi, um, Malachi Hunter, who was not favorable to her in his eyes. Yeah. He was in his eyes in everybody's eyes. I mean, so I I think we want to talk about that relationship a little bit. Uh, The relationship with Malachi Hunter and the mother yeah he was beating her ass he was beating her ass yeah and, and he thought he was somebody uh more than what he really was and Kiese uh early on saw that this guy thought that he was somebody other than who Man, he really what? was you know this guy was you know uh posing as a, a successful real estate agent and an activist Black and he power. saw him for what he, who he really was well and he just sounded like a dickhead in general i mean and she was okay with it the alpha and omega of real estate in jackson mississippi <laughs> like okay dude hey that part was funny as hell <laughs> it's like it's like dude you, you selling a duplex and that's a good month like chill out buddy think about think about the time though he was he was, he was the boss he was the boss real estate you know? man that had me laughing like crazy <laughs> We talking about niggas the stealing yeah. fields supposed to be sharecroppers and shit. You talking about you selling property? Right. Alpha and Omega. Congratulations. That's the, you know what I mean? Like during that time period, I don't know, man. But that's the. Uh, but seriously, I, I, it sounded very real. Sounded it's real, real, but I mean that's that's why I circle back and be like, you know, it is that's his way of loving, right? Because he didn't have to like like what you said, Lenny. Like you're growing up as a as a uh, raised by a single mom. And you you live through all this stuff and you don't have the framework to express it at the time. But like he doesn't have a good relationship with his mom 
and he's still choosing right and he's still choosing to say these things now right as an act of love um and and it's like he's like this is my way of of showing you that i i still love you uh but i I, you know he's i still can't fuck with you i don't think he would i don't think he would it's like it's like this is this is my way of expressing love because you got to think about his relationship with his mom was almost like mother son mother boyfriend mm-hmm. right you know what i mean like he's playing basketball with his mom he talked you know, about his, his mom, mom with real his mom, physical his dad and mm-hmm. first girlfriend he rub on his mama yeah. he talked about last time he laid in the bed with his mom like i want to meet this brother one day and be able to shake his hand but he definitely shows a perspective i had a father in the house that's, i don't understand why, my daddy laid yeah, with my I mom i was gonna say you know what i'm saying ain't ain't i don't understand that point of view i respect him sharing it because I get that that's where a lot of people come from. That's nah, the thing with me as well, too, Harvey. Man, like it was, <laughs> it was, it was hard. I, 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 I put my, I put myself in the mindset of of being open with the book and then trying to understand his truth because I know, you know, we all have a different truth. Yeah, and also think about like his his introduction to sex. I mean, like literally, he was getting molested by his <laughs> mother's student who was supposed to be watching him. But that's everybody's story. You know, they know. I mean, I hate to say that, and I hate to take that I, I away learned, from him. I, I, I learned about sex story. by watching the uh, the fuzzy images on Spice uh, because we didn't have it on cable, so I just had to wait until like the snow got uh, like a little color, and I could see like a nipple or something. Like, <laughs> I didn't get molested like that. Like that's that's harsh. Me neither, Steve. Yeah, I yeah, I never got molested, but I learned by watching uh, porn. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And and then like the and, and you know Man, what that story is so common. Think about this though, and think about think about the little girl at uh Beulah uh, Layla. She I mean she's sleeping with these guys just to go swimming in the deep end. And think about like the community. That story is so. Think common. about the community that they live in and yeah. and how little they put value on their bodies. Man, that's deep. And she just was like you know like mm-hmm. it was nothing. You know, I'm about to go let these guys run a train on me so I can go swim in the deep end of their pool. You know, uh, it was a part in the book where he said, um, it said boys were trained to harm girls in ways girls couldn't harm boys. Right. Straight kids right. were trained to harm queer kids in ways queer right. kids could never harm straight kids. Men were trained to harm women in ways women could never harm men. Parents were trained to harm children in ways children could never harm parents. Babysitters were trained to harm kids in ways kids could never harm babysitters. My body knew white folks was trained to harm us in ways we could never harm them. I did not know how to tell you or anyone else the stories my body told me. But like you, I knew how to run, deflect, and duck. And this is what he's telling his mom. No, that's so that's the that's Run, reflect, deflect, and duck, bro. That's the story. That's that's the that's the that's the normalcy of black life that we've denied for so long. For so long, just recently, just recently, they they've acknowledged what they call adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, and this notion that if you're experiencing these childhood traumas, these are these are you know I forget the statistics. The statistic, but you know the likelihood that you're going to have some type of, you know, health issue as and when you get older, man, that's our story. We've normalized it, and it's been ignored for so long because we didn't have we didn't have feelings. We coming out the fields, man. 
The slave didn't have no feelings. So for years, we were taught to deny what was right in front of ourselves. And they taught that to us. Those parents taught that out as a survival tactic. Man, we had feelings. And so, we just couldn't you, express them. Man, you, that's what we say now, understood. But the the notion, the 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 understanding of the white world was that we didn't have no feelings. But think about this too. The understanding of the white world, we were subhuman. And so that that's he's coming into it at a time in, in history where where we're we're a, a fortunate enough to see and and think with our minds in ways that they couldn't years before. And that's the part about it, man, that it's cutting edge. But it's been so normalized to us, and that story still happens today. That's that's every that's in the hood. That's in every school. That's in every school. It's a little girl getting a train on her, ran on her. Every school is somebody. It's yeah. some little boy getting yeah, pumped. Every school is a little nothing, boy getting nothing's pumped. changed. Nothing's changed. But I also don't think that you know. I, I think that right we have either. a diversity let me, let me, of experience. Let me be real clear on that. I'm not saying. No, I know. You know. I know. I'm just saying how normal it is. And how fucked up that that truth hurt us the way it does, as if we didn't know it, and that's not how we felt. What truth? The truth that those things happen. Oh, okay, okay. So, Harvey, you saying the truth? The truth hurt us, and we didn't know how to, to express it. Or you saying the truth? No, he's just saying uh, that it happened. You know, whether we 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 uh we liked it or not. It, it or these not. are the things right. that PSA is expressing. Right. Like these are realities that goes on every day in our neighborhood. Right. Every day, yeah. every so hey, you walk past you it this. every day. When I was growing up, man, I I swear I used to I used to say to myself, "Damn, does every girl I date have a story about their mama boyfriend molesting them?" That's what I'm talking and about. I felt like every girl I dated <laughs> when I was in high Damn. school. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. You say that, Lenny. Why you say that? Nah, it's crazy. You said that because when I was in college, um, when I was in college, my my first three girlfriends i had in college uh they were molested when they was in uh elementary school by one of their uncles and i was like well you know I'm, i went to college in ohio so i was like you know damn is it is it something that you know kind of went on in uh in ohio or is it something that you know that goes on normally and as we kind of sat down and uh i got closer with other you know female uh, friends uh, throughout my college career, I realized that like it was, I would say the, the, the stats was like at least like the three out of five girls was molested by Bro, a family damn, member. Man, I remember sitting on the steps when yeah. they had tea. That's real. That's over 50%. Well, that, what I would say that I knew, that I knew. I, would, I wouldn't say the entire population, but that I knew in the but black yeah. population. I remember, yeah, that's a lot, I remember one know? day at tea sitting under the tree. We had a tree that we would just sit under and just just harass, man. Just be dogs. Just harass. I don't mm. mean cues. I mean dogs as men. We was just, we were just harassed. I remember one day just having this, this feeling that like, damn, man, every girl that I see walk past has had some nigga grab her ass. That she didn't want. No, that was the nineties. That the poo. That, <laughs> that shit ain't right. Yeah, yeah. you said you said right. Like inkling or like <laughs> get the time machine out. Like what you talking about? That shit ain't cool. <laughs> that shit is not cool. <laughs> no, it's not cool. But I'm just saying, like it, it used to happen so much, Steve, that <laughs> you you felt. It, it was normalized. It, it, internally, that's, that's like you knew culture. that it was wrong, but you look around, didn't nobody think you know 
Nobody. The only the only people that saw that was wrong was the girls, but the guys was like, "Yeah, high five and you like, yeah, man, that, man, come on, man." That, and that, was, and, but look, Lenny, that, that goes back to boys being but, raised by boys. Right. Well, yeah, but it's also not like we had a hundred percent good right now either. So, <laughs> so it's not like oh, that was back in the day. We're good now. It's like now nah, we're still not good. Like rape culture is still a thing. Like shit's still going on, and I think I, that's part of Kiese's point. Level is up. Is is the where? It's a, it's a, it's a huge. <laughs> Awareness maybe, now. maybe, but awareness is not a remedy, right? And, and I think part of Kiese's uh, reasoning for writing like a reckoning like this awareness is not a remedy. That is so dope. Uh, I got dog. Can I have that? Awareness is not get a it, remedy. Get it. That is so dope. Get it. No, can and I you have know that? What, you know what would be even doper, Harvey, if you spoke into the microphone? Awareness <laughs> is not a remedy. Yeah, thank you. Awareness is not a remedy. There we go. <laughs> 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 go ahead um, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say oh I was just saying I think that's I think that's part yeah. of Kiese's reasoning for writing the book right like he wanted to write some right, like right. pop culture stuff where it's not quote unquote asking anything of you other than a promise but you know he's like nah right. like this is life like it makes you if I was a parent which I'm not if, if I was a parent I'd be like man I wonder I wonder what my kid is going through right now. Like, I wonder what crazy shit that they're going to write about in 30 years that I'm going to be like, damn, like that was going on. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Steve. When I was growing up, it was very calm. Like, we, I grew up in the latchkey kid generation. And Kiese was a part of that latchkey kid. It was a lot of children growing up unsupervised for long periods of time. Bro, I, I, I can I, honestly say me mm-hmm. and my friends, we monitor our children. So it, it's not going to be as bad as it was back then. I think we have gotten a little bit better in, in monitoring what our children are, uh, who they hanging with. We have play dates, what they're watching on TV because we watch mm-hmm. with them. And we try our best to try to, uh, try to get a, a better handle and a grip on what's what's going on in our yeah, kids. Yeah, you're life. probably you're, you're probably the you're probably the first generation of parents to say that too. I think you. I think you. I think you're absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah, that's what. I, that's exactly what I'm saying. No, you're not. I, I was. I was being sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. I think. I think. You know, they got the internet now, yo. That's crazy. They got the internet. Right. <laughs> like, okay. They know how to use the internet better than we know how to use it. That's what I'm saying. I think we, I think, I think, Lenny, you're absolutely right. We're way more yes. involved. But no, we are not more protective. Hell no. Hell no. These Our kids are exposed to way much more shit. And, 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 and Dog is right. We have no idea what they're experiencing in this perverted ass world. And that's the frightening part of it, yeah, but I, I guess I, I it's think always been that to, way. To piggyback on what Harvey, what Harvey is saying as well too, I think the kids today are exposed to more things on a visual level and we were exposed to more things on a physical level because we had to experience shit. We had to go outside and find right. out what these things were. You know, we couldn't sit behind a computer. We couldn't sit behind a, a screen and, and, and Google how someone looked in Atlanta, Georgia. We had to physically drive mm-hmm. to Atlanta, Georgia, go to Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, taste the peaches, mm-hmm. hear the accents, see how the people dress, mm-hmm. see how that slang, that the twang was. We couldn't go on the internet and just look at, uh, you know, have that experience. You know what I mean? Man. So they're having these experiences, but it's not on a physical level. 
So it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong, but they're still having the experience in some shape, form, or fashion. And hey, check this out. That man talk about Bula's books, though. Like, like, so I, I was raised in a house of books. Now, my mom did a lot of reading. I, I, I read for information. So there was, there was, we had encyclopedias in the house. I remember the old set that I don't remember where it came from. And mm. I remember when we got the new set. And so. And then the kids encyclopedia. <laughs> we didn't get that one. We had a Botanicus. We probably oh. got a, we probably got a Botanica set probably like maybe like ninety. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We got a new like set. The blue and silver. We had the. This was like a brown, like a dark no, brown. No, the Botanica, the world books you know. was blue and silver. The, the Botanicas was like a beige. Oh, we had okay. we had we had some white world books with blue. Oh, they was real dated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but to the point, you know what I'm They're saying? All to be white able to world be books, good bro. At this. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be able to have access to those books. And to and to use a book to envision and imagine space beyond your reality is such a strong exercise, man. And you know, this brother, I have to give him hats off again for that because he 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 definitely has a mastery of the language, and I think that's very important. Because, but it's challenging because it once you understand it and you make sense of it, then you have to deal with the reality that what's being said around you, about you, and towards you may not apply to you. Mm-hmm. you Harf, know, where did you grow up? I, in Durham, right here at the Creole, Durham, North Carolina. Okay. I spent a lot of time in the summers, though, in Gates County, North Carolina. So I spent summers in the rural with my grandmamas, you know what I'm saying, in the country, reading mm-hmm. the Bible, you know, manners and shit, working mm-hmm. and you know that kind of stuff. But but in Durham, you know, he said manners and shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, but in Durham, you know, you talking about Black Wall Street. You talking about Durham is is is, is Chocolate yeah. City. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Durham you know, was a Black Wall Street. Yep. You know what I mean? So I had I had that kind of best best of experiences. But I think Mississippi represents that. I mean, I, I guess now. I mean. It's black as hell in Mississippi. He talked about that, and he put Mississippi on the stage, and um, I was I was like, wow, you know, David Banner did it too, like that, I guess. But you know, like, wow, he he really tried to you know represent where he was coming from. But I really appreciate that 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 attention to those books, and I've seen the difference it makes when when young people get exposed to books, man, and, and get taught how to read at an early age. But think about it. Not only was he taught how to read. It was a big, you know, like when I was saying, like with his mother, with she the little that she had to give him, she gave him a lot of the little that she had to give him. And one of the things was reading, writing, writing. and speaking well, because that right. was in her mind the way that I'm gonna keep my son alive to keep them white folks from killing him. Right. You know, she really stressed that. Exactly. Like it was the defense. No, my yeah, that thought. was that, yeah, that that was her, you know, her weapon of choice. Like we're not gonna How do y'all practice. feel about that? How do y'all feel about that? After I read that I had my daughter Bro, after I read that, I, I'm telling you, bro, after I read that I went upstairs and had my daughter start writing sentences and I made it fun as possible for her. So now she's in a routine of writing sentences just because I, I saw the impact that that did to him. Where his mama had him write them sentences, ask those questions, blah, blah, blah. No, I think it's dope. I think that's the question he was asked. I no, apologize. No, but think but. about this, though. <laughs> uh, what his mother did early on put money in his pocket today. 
Right. Think about it. Like if you like if you think about the whole story he told, there's no way with right. that baggage that he could have done anything but use his talent that his mom drove into him. Steve, what did you just say? Yeah, what was the question, Steve? Well, I was I was just wondering, like, you know, what do y'all think? Like, yes, like she was an intellectual, right? Um, right. And she she pushed him she pushed him intellectually, right? And so now he's a PhD, he's a professor, he has a few books. Like, obviously, he took that, but the way she did it was, nigga, you're gonna do this, or you're gonna die, or you're gonna get shot, or you're gonna right? Like, it was a very like it was harsh. Like, so I wonder how y'all feel about that. Oh man, uh, I, I was I was say I was say I feel like. She was only doing. That part I agree with. Well, th- that, think about her her, uh, her educational background, right? You know, they say she was a political scientist. The time um, period. She was only doing uh, what she thought was the right way to go about doing it. No one probably had expressed to her how to go about doing it because her mother wasn't, you know, well educated. Her mother had stayed in Mississippi, right. and I believe that was from uh, Scott County, Mississippi, small town, population what twenty eight thousand uh, people. Um, according to the 2010 census, a, a small town. My dad is from from a small town as small town as well too, which is Hollandale, Mississippi. And I used to go there every summer, and I didn't realize that the difference in living until I started like getting of age. Because at first I would just go there and just uh, you know, be kicking it with my cousins and uh, doing like you know little kid things. But I, I finally mm-hmm. I, I realized at an early age, like 12 or 13 years old, well, I first started having my sexual experiences was in up in Mississippi. I didn't have none in Florida, but my cousins was living a different freedom than what I had. I was living in a household with two parents that had structure, come home from school, you know, uh, do my homework, do my um, spelling bee uh, lesson, uh, get ready for, for eat dinner, get ready for bed and do the same exact routine every day. My cousins on the other half. It was going down. Oh, dog! It was going down. <laughs> it was going down. It got, it got to the point where every time I was in Mississippi, my mom, my dad was a real loose kind of parent. You know, he entrepreneur, loose kind of parent, was kind of laid back. My mom was more so a strict disciplinarian or whatnot. Dog, I'd be in Mississippi, uh, age of, you know, 12, 13 years old, and we out almost 11 o'clock at night getting ate up by mosquitoes, big-ass mosquitoes, too. I'm talking about the size of dogs, it felt like. They hit your side of your They're face. They're like the bird. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we playing spin the bottle at 11 o'clock at night. My mother's calling, uh, you know, my my auntie my auntie's house and trying to figure out, like, where we at. My auntie has no idea where I'm at. She's saying, all she's saying is, well, he out, he out with his cousin, Junior, and, and Pee Wee. They, they'll be back in a little while. My mom like, what the hell? It's 11 at night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think, Steve, to answer your question, I think that, I think she, she forced that up on him because I think that she knew that if you speak well, then people will have the perception that you are somebody and 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 I think she she kind of like juxtaposed the speaking well with status. It's kind of like if let's say one of your parents is a professional athlete mm-hmm. and they said, you know what, me doing this made me a lot of money and it afforded us this lifestyle. And this is all I know. So what they're gonna do is they're gonna push up on you what they know and what they know that works. I think his mother knew that an education would work. So she pushed that up on him. And I think she had to be a little bit more aggressive because of the environment that he grew up in, because nobody else was doing that. 
Do you remember? No. She said, oh, yeah. Your mama don't play. Everybody kept saying that, that, that was a narrative yeah, about I, his mother, the entire story. Right, but like there was other people who whose parents didn't play, like his friend in school who couldn't even back him up against the teacher because their father was gonna beat their ass. Like I, I don't, okay, I, I don't think, I don't think. School. Right, right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what her reasoning is. Right, like we can speculate on her reasoning, but I think Kiese through the book is saying these things are happening because of your past trauma and your ability to live in denial, your ability to live in hurt, and you're passing that hurt on to me. And I'm trying to not pass that hurt on anymore. And I'm trying to address it because you can teach your kids those things. Like we know now sitting here objectively talking about it, that you can teach your kids those things in different ways. And you can impart those same lessons. Like Harvey was like, yeah, I made my, my daughter write sentences, but I did it fun in a nice way. Right. <laughs> like you, you didn't go up, you didn't go up and be like, Oh, you, this is the only way you're going to yeah. stay alive. You're going to die. If not. Right. Like no. maybe that's true. Maybe it's not, but we also know that we can't be passing that trauma on. And I feel like he was trying to impart that on the reader. Like, Hey, we, we need to stop doing this because it gave me anxiety. It made me eat uh, way too much. It made me drink too much. It made me gamble too much. Like, yeah, he survived, but maybe he didn't, you know? All right. Or or it could be this, it could be this. He's being raised by a single parent and, and, and his mom is tired. She's stressed out and she stretched in. And she don't really have a lot of patience to make shit fun. She like, dude, do this. You know, I, I I could make this fun, but the most important thing is that you get it. And it can be both. I'm doing and. this shit by myself. It can be. It can be all of those things. It was. It's. It's. It's, it's both. And and okay, she's a teacher too, and so that relationship or that way he described her was much like my teacher's. These black women who love me, my third grade teacher who mm-hmm. whooped me every day. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like my 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 middle school advanced mm-hmm. English teacher who mm-hmm. tore my papers up every day. If she could have whooped me, she would have. You know, so like I related to that relationship in that sense. That so I don't I don't know that it's necessarily a tired part that Lenny's speaking to. I think that comes out much later in life in terms of your realization of what's happening. But during the time period that he talks about it, there's this drive for black excellence. It did exist. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think that was a part of a lot of our training, you know, that we had had to be like that as well. We had to be upstanding in certain, in some kind of way, you know, this respectability politics. And we had to be, and this is what was necessary for our survival. Ta-Nehisi Coates talks about it in between the world and me. That's what that whole book is about, you know, and 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 the realization that your body as a black person is is right. is devalued, and 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 people are going to use it at their discretion right. to to evoke violence upon it, and you know you know and so that that's that's what I mean when I'm going back to saying that, you know this is a normal story, and that's the that's the that's the part when I first started reading it, man, I almost put mm-hmm. it down because it took me to a, a space that I, I just, mm-hmm. when I was reading about the sister going through what she mm-hmm. was experiencing as light as she tried to downplay it. I remember reading, it makes me want to yeah. holler and it made me want to throw up yeah. reading the stories right. about the trains and rape 
Right. And so that trauma, man, but it's hard, that, man. And, and that like black I say, it's excellence, too normal. though, it's trope, just too though, normal too, Harvey, it, it does make you want to throw up your hands because it's like a helpless politics. It's like, oh, you got to have to. Yeah, that, that black, that's what I'm that saying. That black shit get old too, bro. That shit get. I mean, right. I'm tired of that myself. I'm I'm done that. You know, what I mean? that's why we cussing well, now. Because you gotta be, like, you gotta be twice I as good. Take it but no more. Like, to be recognized you know I mean? as like, good, but the world is never gonna recognize <laughs> you as good. So All just like fine. keep doing. It. It's just right. like you're never gonna win that racism forever. You're never gonna win. Yeah. But but I think that I think that his mother thought never that win, this is the only tool that you have, even though it could be a hopeless tool. But this is all I have to give you, son. Right. And I'm gonna give this to you. You know, but that kind of that's a great segue into the chapter meager. And when they when they stopped going to their um their school, uh what is it, our lady, um our, our lady, the, the the all black Catholic school, and then they merge into was going it? to school with the other white kids. Yes, yeah, our lady of Keisha. Of Keisha. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's that black excellence. <laughs> that black abundance. Uh, nigga, nigga talking about black abundance. You know what I mean? What is what is black? Uh, Even his homeboy got the little lingo going. That was we got cool black though. abundance. You know, <laughs> our lady Akisha, <laughs> and they went from our lady Akisha to Saint Richard's Catholic School. Uh, right. But anyway, yeah, that whole black abundance. And and that's another thing, how you can be excellent. They can, you know, you can be excellent in your culture. They can be excellent in their culture. But the thing is, we got to know their culture, but they don't have wow. to know our culture. But we spend a lifetime, we know both cultures. And nah, then we kind of like, uh, we navigate in both cultures, but they teach us and they have no idea about our culture. And when he when they call his friend, Mm-hmm. gross he was like we say a lot of things that are gross but i never thought that you could use that term to describe a body a person you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i like how he just dug into that and that just says a lot to me and it also says a lot how disconnected these teachers are from our children that are teaching our children that could be another reason why his mother said, hey, you're going to learn at school, but you're going to do this extra work at home, too, because I can't I can't trust these teachers to teach you what you need to know. Man, that was that was the that was the worst thing that happened when they talk about the integration of schools oh, absolutely. is how black teachers were fired and how how. And how whites, how white teachers yeah. were now that, in charge uh, Brown of black versus students, Board of Education. Man. And a lot of a lot of old Brown versus Board, yeah. A lot of old black people, the best thing they could tell a black kid was to go to class and and, and be quiet and just soak it up osmosis. You know. <laughs> oh. You know, you're just supposed to go in there and just just take it. And um, but 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 what he's also talking about though, I don't want to miss this though. He he talking about oh, hip hop, yeah. man. When he talking about that Neither. black abundance, yeah, and how they was flipping yep. words. That's hip hop all day long. You know what I'm saying? That's hip hop, bro. And I think that's what's beautiful about hip hop is that it it was birthed out of that era of rebellion, that black consciousness, that young black mind was coming into its own way of thinking in the world, free of some of the older notions of of, of oppression. 
it's weird, but it's 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 great to see it happening. I just I just think he it's said, beautiful that we he said, he you know able Lathan, to capture the words. He said, you know, uh Lathan said, cause they are preposterous than a mug. <laughs> and he was just throwing out these words, man. And they was just playing with these words and these white kids looking at them and they kind of like high-fiving because they had like this esoteric uh this esoteric understanding of what they was talking right. about and they thought it was funny that nobody else knew what they right. were talking about until other they, than them. Until they got marched to the principal's office. Right. Which is which is another <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Bro, you can't be too. Can't be too good. Yeah, right. You yeah. can't be too smart in the white man's world. And then, man. and then on the way to the the principal's office, he was can't like, "Oh, good. that's what my mom meant when she when she was like, you 'You're gonna have to be twice as good now.' So many lessons you don't get till you get it. You know what I mean? They, they, you can't understand these riddles that we black folks be talking in sometimes. You know, they used to tell me about running the streets. I'm like, what the hell does running the streets mean? You know, I I can't understand that 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 phrase, running the streets. Now I get it, you know. Somebody that's just out there all day with nowhere to go, blah 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 blah. You don't understand it until it hits you, man. You know, and 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 he thought he was just being a regular old kid, having fun like everybody else he saw. You can't do that, and it's sad. It's a sad reality. I struggle with it. So, is it best that we get exposed to that early at that age, so we learn how to deal with it, or do we, um, you know? keep our kids away from that, you know, keep shelter ourselves from that so that we can grow up and, and learn to, because yeah. we're going to still mess with each other. We're still going to have our own challenges anyway. So learn how to deal with our own inner conflict. I, I wonder too, because hey, Nikki says real life, right? Like, so he goes to this white school and then he went to college. Where did he go to college? Does anyone remember? I feel like uh, it was a white school too. Nah, it sounded white. Yeah, like Olderman. I think it's called like Olderman or something like that. Well, then he goes to teach at Vassar, which is like Whitey McWhiterson. Like, it's white as hell up there. Hey, there's this sex, there's this passage I wanted to read out of the book. Which chapter? And he said, uh, he said, holy family shares stories with words, word patterns, vocal inflections, and really bodies that makes us feel safe. No one at holy family ever used their bodies to say awesome or totally or amazing or foobar or like 50 times a day more than necessary the narrators of our story said fly and all that and fresh and the shit and <laughs> shit and show and shining and tripping and all world and living foul and musty and sorry ass and stale and ashy and getting full and crazy and nigga. And you know what I'm saying? 50 times a day more than necessary. So back to back it up when you said that that was hip hop. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that they had like their own little words that mm-hmm. they were saying mm-hmm. when people say things like mm-hmm. awesome they like we don't say that and he said there wasn't a gross or anything approximating a gross in our vocabulary our stories bodies at holy families well holy family were heavier than the bodies at saint richard's and none of those heavy bodies were gross 
Seventh grades were the first year in our lives when boys started calling girls who wasn't giving us any attention words like freak behind their backs. And when they slapped the taste out of our mouth, we apologized. But even in our most brittle whispers, we never thought or talked about any girl's bodies as gross. Or maybe I wanted that to be true. So you could just tell the dichotomy in not only their words, but also the dichotomy in the way they thought about each other. Like mm. they they saw each other's imperfections, but nobody ever even thought to put you down or belittle you because of your imperfections. Because everybody, uh, although they saw imperfections in you, they also see imperfections in themselves. So they had a a, a, a level of empathy that they had towards one another. Thanks, white and, people. For, <laughs> for not having any of that. Right. So that's what I got out of that chapter. I was like, yo, we send our kids to school and we trust our teachers to teach them and lift them up and, and you know, and, uh, and boost their self-esteem up. But yet his teacher is referring to his friend saying, hey, your friend is gross. And it took a child to look at a teacher and was like, how would you say that? We know that he stank and we know that he has like, you know, yeah. a lot of shit going on. But you called him gross. How could you do that? Quick yeah. survey of, of the parent bros. Who who uh, knows what their teachers look like for their kids? Are they white yeah, or black? Right. My teacher is white. My, uh, Noah teacher is white. Yeah. We got some Harvey, white you said black. We got some white aides. You know, my daughter has autism, so we got some white aides, but the mm -hmm. teachers are black. Yeah, we got some white specialists. I don't want to say aides. Is, Excuse me. Is that a is that a uh, is that a conscious choice or is that just the way it works out? You know, I mean, it works. It's to me, it's both. You know, what I'm saying we um we're able to use the public system to our advantage, and you know, I've taught teachers so you know I, I was a teacher you know teacher educator so i know the system i know how to navigate it but i think in a city like durham you can have the luxury of being able to be in an environment where you can have majority black teachers the question is mm -hmm. do those black teachers then not treat the black kids the same way that he described the white teachers mm -hmm. teaching because that happens unfortunately uh, like the black cop is the worst <laughs> cop <laughs> You know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, trying to prove a point. Mm -hmm. or, or, or even, or even, and I'm, you know, I say this with with real sensitivity, but like teaching young black people who want to teach that they have to love those kids, like that's that's hard for a person who hasn't been loved themselves, who who don't understand the importance, who's just in college to graduate, who's mm. just in college to get away from that fuck shit that they came from. Right. And he's making like 40 grand, maybe. 40, yeah. Right. And then also on top of that is like, you got to look at like the relationship that you, Harvey, Harvey made a good point when he was talking about uh, like, um, when he talked about uh, segregation, like you got to think about the mindset of those black teachers back in the day uh, prior to segregation. Like they was all in. And when I say all in, I mean to the capacity of where they knew the importance of education on top of they was fully invested in that child's education. Uh, I'm not doubting teachers today of uh, being fully invested into a, a child's education. But I mean, let's be real. They have more distractions. 
um, I Instagram like a couple of weeks ago, Kanye mentioned, he said, man, Instagram got your bitch. So it was what he meant by that. It was an uproar on social media. Like, yeah, man, Instagram got your bitch. What he means is, hell, Instagram has 90% of your bitches, uh, 90% of your bitches, uh, your bitches, uh, uh, attention, 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 right. So Instagram is having 90% of her attention. How much focus does she have on you? And then if she's a teacher, how much focus does she has on the actual kid? Is it just a job just to get paid? You're making 40000 a year, uh, which is if you're living in Florida making 40000 a year, you really like living paycheck to paycheck. Right. You it's know, not easy, man. It's, it's not, not easy, easy at, at all. all. It's not easy at all. And then also you you getting if you're teaching at a charter school, you're being forced to uh, to to pass these kids um, as far as testing. They got to meet the certain benchmark testing levels on a consistent basis. And if you're not meeting those, you're looking at grounds of termination at years in. Right. So, so, then, so, so, so that means the charter school ends up being no more creative than the public school. It's worse. It reinforces the same rules for that same very reason. All, you know what I mean? Like, right. and, and so at some Almost point, by design. Right. No, it is by design. And so- because I understand it in a way that, you know, I'm able to deal with it because I, I, I you don't have a lot of options. You just don't have a lot of options and you're going to have to deal with it. And we're going to all have to find a way to find peace with it. But you, you try to be as involved as possible and you try to, you know, be as present as you can when necessary. And, you know, it's very important that you have a relationship with your teacher. They have all kinds of little apps and stuff now where you can be in the classroom all day and 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 teachers are very what type of apps uh harvey like it's an app too. called class dojo a lot of okay. the teachers use something called class dojo and and they they keep you pretty updated on what's happening in the classroom throughout the day and um you know it's it's much more involved you know and i and i struggle with that i really do I really, when I was first teaching and I was, I was blaming, I was, I was having a conversation with some parents about how their kids were performing and I was kind of getting on the parent about the kids being not as prepared. A number of occasions, these parents reminded me that I was the one that said that they was the professional. They was just a parent. And it, and I had to listen to what they were saying. They won't make it an excuse. Like historically, our parents just sent the kids to school, and the kids came home and taught the parents something new. Like it's it's a it's another trick to think that you're supposed to teach your kid what they're supposed to know for school, so they can be good in school, and you're gonna do all their homework and shit. And we got other stuff to be doing, man. It's cool to be involved, but like that's that's another trick that makes us blame black people for not being able to provide. We never was that involved. I think historically, we the kids was always left alone. The mama would carry the baby until the baby could walk. Then the baby would play with the other babies until the old folks said, it's time for you to grow up. And then they would take that child off into the bush and they would be in the bush until they was ready to be adults and come back to be of use to the village. So it we never was involved like that. <laughs> but we, we had a community, though, that supported our well-being. And he he spoke to that in Mississippi, you know. As much as he talked about the foolishness, he 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 spoke to feeling safe there, you know. He spoke to to knowing that that was 
a, a richness there, and his grandmother represented that richness, and his mother loved yeah, that his richness. His grandmother said, "I." When I he asked it. his grandmother, "Why didn't you leave?" and she was like, "No, I'm not gonna leave. I'm not gonna leave all this that 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 was built. I'm not gonna leave this. I'm not gonna leave these trees. I'm not gonna leave this land." I think he said, it's, it's "The land keep." The yeah. land, Keith. Yeah. yeah, the land. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know what? I think this, um, I think we can park it here. But it was one more thing. <laughs> I, I I keep going back to the uh the relationship that they, that they had with their friends, that he had with his friends at this new school. Uh-huh. And he said, they don't even know about the abundance. <laughs> For real. We can't even get mad. They don't even know. They don't even know. <laughs> I just wanted to leave on they that. They don't even know. They don't even know about the abundance. <laughs> so, uh, real, real quick to uh, to uh, to wrap it up. So far, Steve. So far in the book, um, how would you rate it? Um. So up to up to the part where they get to school. Uh, for me, this is the hardest part of the book to follow because the prose were good, but uh, at times it was it was a little too poetic for me. Um, but this is also the part where I start to get sucked in because it, it starts. I start maybe I get used to it, maybe it tapers off. I don't know. Um, but I don't know what, what are we doing one to ten? Or are we doing A B C? What are we doing for rating? Uh, one to ten. Uh, I mean, whatever you want to, however you want to rate it. I think. Everybody, ABC. I never heard of that. Just like a letter grade. We were just talking about school for twenty minutes. This is AC. Just one to ten, brother. All right. Uh, yeah. uh, we're talking say, about a rating. We're not giving it a grade. All right. All right. Uh, I, I, I would say. I would say right now, seven out of ten. Um, yeah, seven out of ten for me. I think that I'm gonna give it an eight or. Yeah, about an eight because you did say it was poetic, but I was able to follow it and not that wasn't not one there wasn't a part in the book where I got lost and I was like, hold on, back up. And although it was poetic, I think that he was speaking, I could I could relate to it step by step. And maybe it's because we're like the same age mm-hmm. and we're from the same era right. and the same lingo. So right. I was able to follow it. And I like, and I kind of like that it was poetic. Because one of the reasons why I chose this book, uh, Walter, what you think so far? I will give it a a, a seven point five. And the reason I said seven point five because of the fact that it was wrote well, but the guy was also so vulnerable, man. Like he he t- he touched he. Du- I I know for a fact that he 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 dug deep down within his soul to be able to 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 bring out some of these. Uh, experiences that he had as a as a child uh to the full forefront and then expose it to the to the world, you know? So I would say a seven point five. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, y'all. Harvey. I got distracted. Yeah, uh, no, Harvey, I'm gonna get to you. But that was this part in the book <laughs> where him him and Lathan was talking and he said, um he said, when white folks at St. Richard's looked at me like I was gross, I smiled, shook my head, sucked my teeth, and intentionally misused and mispronounced some vocabulary words. Then I dapped Lathan up at lunch and said, they so meager and we so gross. 
That's why I like this book because that's the little nuances that I said in the beginning that I couldn't articulate when I was a kid and how I felt. But he puts it so plain and so simple that I understand how you just like, man, you know what? White folks, I'm just going to play dumb because y'all don't get it. But then you high fire your homeboy and be like, they so meager and we so gross. Well, what you think, uh, Harvey? I think, um, I think the writing style, um, damn, I think Lansing Hughes used to have these books uh, just be simple. It was a fictitious character, just be simple. And just be simple taught real basic, very basic. It was very plain reading, very plain reading. I think this book is written in a disruptive way that the plainness of it, Dog talked about it being so poetic. It's it's so plain that it was confusing me at first because it, but it's intended to disrupt. I think a young kid reading this would get in trouble writing like this in school. Not the descriptive nature mm. of it, but the short sentences, the the blunt statements. Like that's a disruptive form of writing that I'm sure that him studying writing and language he would be able to speak too much better than what I'm alluding to. I'm pretty sure he would acknowledge it. That it's something that he's doing with language that's, that's that we're not accustomed to seeing in print. You know what I'm saying? So this is a rebel, it's a rebel writing, but we do relate to it. And I think it's very relatable. And I just, I just really, like I said, man, I wouldn't have told the stories that he told, but hats off to him for right. his honesty <laughs> yeah. to bringing us to some of these yeah. conversations. We're not done, man. Like, like, like the, the right. stuff that he's talking about, like we glance, you know, we ain't glance over. We have to keep going in the book, but those things, obviously they're still here in our communities and they're still very much a part of the youth experience, you know? Exactly. Hope you enjoyed. Please click the subscribe button to whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And remember to stay tuned in, stay learning, and keep reading.